0: Are you interested in Medicare? Well, too bad, because here comes the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast, a podcast the Navy has refloated more than once. Here is a man so tough he makes onions cry, Medicare expert Doug Jones. Well, 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 look what we have here. It's another episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. Oh, will they never end? Well, not as long as I have anything to do with it. They won't end. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another remarkable and thrill-packed episode of Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. This is another cold morning in Arizona. It's just one of those things. Winter is headed our way and in the desert cold weather comes sooner rather than later because uh, uh, there's nothing to hold, no moisture in the air to hold that uh, heat. So during the course of an average day it might be warm and comfortable but when the sun goes down it's uh it gets to be really chilly and that's what happened this morning so you may wonder why Randy and I are wearing sweatshirts now you would have no way of knowing that we're wearing sweatshirts but we can see that we are bundled up against the cold arizona chill in this uh in this early winter and eh, late fall uh morning so i'm hoping that it doesn't last long maybe it's just a cold snap that's going to uh going to return to Uh, Normal temperatures shortly. That's what I always hope for. Anyway, you might have heard my Canadian nephew, Drew McMillan, explain that I am your Medicare expert. And that's what we're here for today to discuss Medicare. Typically, I tell people that there is no reason to be concerned about the onset of Medicare or the approach of Medicare. Often people are afraid that they're going to make mistakes or they're not going to know what to do or they're going to worry about the proper decisions to make and should they follow the proper timeline or should they fail to follow it, then bad things will happen. But you can solve all of that angst by buying a copy of my book, Medicare for the Lazy Man. The 2022 edition is out. It's at BarnesandNoble.com. It's also at Amazon. And if you go to Amazon, you're going to find the hardcover edition, the softcover, the paperback edition. You're going to find the electronic or ebook edition, like a Kindle version, for instance. That's the least expensive way to read my book. And you can also listen to the book on Audible. Uh, so you've got four choices on the Amazon Medicare for the Lazy Man sales page. And don't get any color on the cover, but the green 2022. Make sure you're getting the current edition, because there are other people out there who have bought my book in the past. They've signed up for Medicare, and now they're trying to sell the book for much, much more than you would have to pay. They're trying to make big bucks on it, and uh, I'm frankly uh miffed and <laughs> and uh, chagrined, and at the same time, I'm uh, pleased that my my work and bring so much extra money. But it won't cost you that much money when you buy it in the new uh, version. So often I uh, ask Randy about uh, the the, uh, events of the day, but I owe him an apology. I sent him a review of what we were going to talk about, and I messed up. I got my notes all confused. Usually people write notes to keep themselves organized. My notes have failed me. Uh, I did not intend to talk so much about one subject and and uh, skip uh, the other subject. So uh, I am going to try to clear up the confusion that I may have left by talking about the star rating system for Medicare Advantage plans, Medicare supplement plan, or excuse me, PDP plans, Medicare Advantage and PDP. And uh, I also discussed the reasons why my favorite Medicare Advantage plan, the Medicare MSA, which offers all the freedom that Medicare supplement plans offer, uh, why it gets a bad rep on the star ratings. And I read the statement from a sales manager explaining how it doesn't fit the mold that the Medicare, uh, the government, um, devised for Medicare Advantage plans. And so then there was reference to the uh, consumer assessment of, in other words, the questionnaire, the survey that went out. And that survey is called Consumer Assessment of Healthcare Providers and Systems. Isn't that a catchy name? C-A-H-P-S. So it is a survey that is sent out to customers who have purchased certain prescription drug plans or certain Medicare Advantage plans. And I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on it, but it looks as boring and stupid as many other federal programs are. And so that's, I wanted to apologize for not actually sharing all the detail about the star rating system with the listeners and with Randy, who is awfully concerned about Medicare Advantage plans. And uh, so Randy, I hope you, uh, except my apology in the spirit in which it's given
1: no apology necessary. (laughs) I just want to, I just want to point out that I still hate Medicare advantage plans
0: and you know something I'm right there with you. And, (laughs) but we, we, we can't just tell people that we hate them. We have to tell them why we hate them and why we warn people to stay away from them. And so we, that's an educational quest that we must never give up.
1: Well, I think, you know, you and I've, We've talked about this before, but I th- I think when they when they they earmarked them Part C, yes, there was a reason for that.
0: It stands for crap. I understand. Yes, it does. Crap. <laughs> and our our favorite listener Steve went to a uh, a small seminar at a doctor's office that was given by a woman who was promoting Medicare Advantage plans. And uh, he uh, raised his hand to ask a question. She said, yes, can I help you? And he said, "Um, am I correct that Medicare Advantage plans are also referred to as part C? And she said, why, yes, that's true. And he said, well, I believe that's because C stands for
1: crap, which is what they are. (laughs) Okay, Steve, my, Steve, my hat is off to you, buddy. God bless Steve for
0: doing that kind of thing. Also, I have a notation here that I might have overlooked. Uh, we have a new listener in Florida. Uh, a gentleman uh, contacted me through our website and uh, sent a questionnaire and wanted to get quotes for Medicare supplement plans. And I uh, had to talk to him on the phone because I sent them to him and I, I wanted to make sure that my email with the information he requested did not fall into his spam folder so i sent him a text and i said uh, you'll find my uh, uh quotes that i sent you on your email or in your spam folder if it's not readily apparent that they arrived and so he called me or he said no i they came in you know all garbled up And so I said, well, that's crazy, and uh, let me do him again. He gave me a different um, email address to use. So then he started telling me that he has a 90-year-old, I think he said his mother, She's 90 years old and has a Medicare disadvantage plan. And I perked right up at that, and I said, "Ah." uh and he said she's never had a problem with it and i had to hasten to tell him i don't think everybody with a medicare advantage plan is going to have a problem it's just that the possibility is high enough that i warn people away because there's going to be a fairly large number of people that have problems like we talked about the other uh, a couple of weeks ago with the uh, gentleman who's been using the mayo clinic in florida And all of a sudden, he receives a letter from the Mayo Clinic saying that they're never going to accept patients that have Medicare Advantage plans anymore. So just uh, go away. And uh, there are other, uh, I talked about it, Uh, my newest client and one of my newest clients, a 98-year-old woman in Wisconsin who retired. She was a uh, uh, an instructor at the, I think, the medical school, the Wisconsin, University of Wisconsin Medical School, she taught there. And when she retired many years ago, <clears throat> they gave her, as part of her retirement package, uh, a free Medicare Advantage plan that they gave to a lot of retirees from the University of Wisconsin. And all of a sudden, that plan just went away. They said, as of January 1st, you're not going to be covered with that plan, and so uh, her uh, nephew got in touch with me and said, "Look, we gotta find something." And I was able to do that with a Medicare supplement plan that was so reasonably priced that uh, she is very, very pleased. And so, this is a, a just a couple of examples of Medicare Advantage disappointment or Medicare disadvantage, if you want to say so. But anyway, hello to Joseph, our new listener in Florida. He said he listens to the podcast. He uh, (laughs) found us by Googling. And so I said, uh, well, you know, welcome to the fold. We're happy to have you in our audience. I didn't want to forget that because it's on my notes. It got all confused. I got to be more careful with my notes. But Randy inspired me to move on to uh, bigger and better things. And so what I want to address today is a, a little subject called betting on the golden age of colonoscopies. Randy said that this was a subject that interested him a lot. I'm getting a big thumbs up from Randy right now. Private equity invests in gastro docs. Boy, they're you know, shorthand here is uh, interesting. So uh, the, the overall headline here is Patients for Profit How Private Equity Hijacked Healthcare. Now, I don't think that's really true that private equity hijacked healthcare, <clears throat> but that's what this article is saying. And once again, betting on the golden age of colonoscopies, private equity invests in gastro docs. So a woman named Mariel needed a new gastroenterologist. Having just moved back to San Antonio, the 30-something searched for a doctor to manage her Crohn's disease. And that's an inflammatory bowel condition that is successfully managed with medications and lifelong monitoring, including regular colonoscopies. Mariel booked an appointment and learned that she would be on the hook for $1,100 for a colonoscopy about three times what she had paid for the same test in a different state. Almost three quarters of the bill would be a facility fee for the in-office procedure at a colonoscopy clinic. Uh, the author of this uh, article, agreed not to disclose Mariel's last name because she is concerned that speaking out might affect her doctor's willingness to manage her medical condition. Preventative colonoscopies are covered without patient cost-sharing under the Affordable Care Act, but colonoscopies for patients with existing conditions, like Mariel, are not. Uh, A 2019 study found patients with inflammatory bowel disease, including Crohn's disease, occur they incur about 23000 in healthcare costs each year. Medication treatments alone can cost tens of thousands of dollars annually. But shopping around proved frustrating. Although San Antonio has plenty of gastroenterology offices, more than two dozen of them are controlled by the same private equity group. In 2018, one of the nation's largest independent gastroenterology practices – Texas Digestive Disease Consultants announced a deal with Chicago based private equity firm WAD Capital to expand by offering management services to other physicians. At the time, the Dallas based practice had 110 locations, mostly in Texas, including San Antonio. All right, so Randy's paying careful attention to this because he's waiting for the punchline. <laughs> Today, its management group, the GI Alliance, Gastrointestinal Alliance, operates in a dozen states with more than 400 locations and is growing fast. I'm sensing this article does not like free enterprise. That's just uh, the flavor that's coming through the printed page. So with market dominance comes business opportunity to set and maintain high prices. It's pretty much the only game in town, Mariel says except for the fact, Muriel, that uh, another doctor can move in and uh, provide these services at a smaller cost, and I'll bet you that people would start beating a path to that uh, doctor's doorway. This is uh, what free enterprise is all about. Private equity, known for making a profit on quick turnaround investments in struggling businesses across many industries, has taken an increasingly active interest in healthcare in the past decade. It has invested in gastroenterology practices in recent years to tap into the revenue potential and meeting growing demand. Now, once again, this article is a little on the slanted side. It says its uh, private equity is known for making a profit on quick turnaround investments in struggling businesses, and I don't believe that's entirely true either. What private equity uh, investors do, and they're private, remember they're private citizens. They invest in businesses that uh, they've um, perceived potential in, and they try to shore them up and make them more profitable and eventually sell them off uh, to uh, cap off their profit. That's typically what a private equity investor would do. So the next line coming down here is the one that Randy's been waiting for. Uh, ever since I picked up this article. We are in the golden age of older rectums, one investment manager wrote in 2017. Rectum, hell, damn near killed him. Uh, I, but I digress. <laughs> Tired of having I, to I, manage. I,
1: I have a punchline to that, Doug. Oh,
0: I thought I just gave a punchline. What's your punchline? No, no
1: I, uh, the golden age of colonoscopy and go- older rectums Where the sun don't shine, or does it?
0: Oh, there you go. That's right. That's right. (laughs) You came up with that a while back, and I'm glad to have you share it with us. All right. So the sun is not shining on these older rectums, apparently, but um, tired of having to manage the increasingly complicated business of running a practice and often lured by the sweet deals investors offer, more and more doctors have partnered with or even sold their practices to private equity funds. So investment managers now control the financial decisions for many medical offices, caring for patients with digestive ailments with profit. The primary driver with profit being the primary driver, patients may find that they pay much more for the same or less care. Okay. There are mechanisms in place to make that completely bogus. Moving on though, the centers for disease control and prevention Oh, those are the guys that want us to wear masks all day and all night. Oh, yeah, I know those guys. They're uh, Fauci in his bunch. They recently lowered the age at which healthy Americans are urged to begin routine screenings for colon cancer, ensuring that most will undergo regular colonoscopies beginning at age 45. And the population is aging, meaning more people will be needing the procedure. For those who are 65 or older, Medicare picks up the tab. But even when a benign polyp is found during a simple screening, patients sometimes end up with an unexpected bill. And less than scrupulous providers often find ways to bill for some services, such as out-of-network anesthesia monitoring. That's if you have a network. If you have what I suggest, which is a Medicare supplement plan, you're never going to have a network to deal with, and they won't be able to pull that trick on you. Studies show that private equity investment in healthcare results in more surprise bills and overall higher costs for patients. Surprise billing is the practice of charging insured patients for out-of-network care. Well, then don't buy a plan with a network. Only get a Medicare supplement plan that has no network. All doctors are in a Medicare supplement plan. So anyway, uh, the surprise billing is the practice of charging insured patients for out-of-network care, unknowingly received, including in emergencies or at otherwise in-network facilities. Before a federal ban on surprise billing took effect this year, it was common, and that really hasn't been a a complete ban yet because they can't figure out how to uh, institute that ban. So I haven't talked about it because it has not really been a big deal yet. Before a federal ban on surprise billings took effect this year, it was common for patients to get slapped with an expensive bill after being treated by emergency room doctors employed by a private equity owned staffing service. This is a problem that policy experts say was not a glitch, but rather a business model for private equity companies. Well, I happen to know a doctor who purchased or built and um, ran a um, an emergency room staff of doctors, and he wasn't a private equity guy. He was just an enterprising young doctor who had some business savvy. <clears throat> so I don't think it's necessarily a bad business model. He treated my mother on many occasions, and uh, she uh, always enjoyed his uh, his attention to her needs when she was in the emergency room. So the article goes on to say, private equity is everywhere in healthcare. Really? This sounds like a headline that Randy might have written. Where the sun don't shine. Nearly 10% of the nation's 14,000 gastroenterologists were partners or in or employed by a private equity-backed organization as of last fall. In 2021, the number of private equity acquisitions of gastroenterology practices grew by 28% over the previous year. According to a publication, complex government regulations, technological innovations and insurance industry practices have driven many gastroenterologists to sell shares in their practices, says a person who runs a consulting company for physician practices. Many physicians argue reimbursement rates are too low to keep up with complex negotiations with insurers and other rising costs of operating an independent practice. Private equity typically purchases a stake in a healthcare practice and then adjusts its operations to make it more profitable. It may switch to cheaper suppliers, shorten appointment windows, bill aggressively, or lay off staff, to name a few strategies. The kind of changes that save money at the expense of patient care. Ah, oh, boy. You know, it pains me to read these articles by people who don't like private enterprise, but there's nothing wrong with taking a business like a medical practice and trying to make it run more efficiently. Sometimes they fail. Sometimes they succeed. And frankly, patients will run away like chickens fleeing the the, uh, fox uh, if they don't like the changes that are occurring in that medical practice. It's not like in Russia where you have one doctor for the whole town. So in December, NBC News reported on how one private equity-owned group of dermatology practices overbooked patients, lost test results, leaned on cheaper labor from physician assistants and nurse practitioners who may miss critical diagnoses. A study out last year from the National Bureau of Economic Research showed that when private equity owned a nursing home, patients were more likely to die in their first months there and much more likely to be prescribed antipsychotic drugs, which are known to increase mortality among the elderly. Taxpayer spending per procedure or service in a private equity owned facility goes up about 11 percent. Boy, they really hate the private enterprise system. I cannot believe that if a private equity firm owns a stake in a nursing home, that all of a sudden that's going to kill patients. uh, There are a lot of oversight uh, government uh, departments that oversee these things and establish criteria that these places are expected to follow. And there are a lot of checking, uh, a lot of uh, people checking on them to make sure that they're following the uh, steps that are, you know, the protocol requires. Private equity has shown a lot of interest in healthcare practices that perform high volume procedures, especially those with growth potential. Lots of people are needing injections in the eye for macular edema, and lots of people need colonoscopies, lots of people need skin biopsies. <clears throat> so, apparently those are the kinds of practices that uh, these doctors are uh, or these uh, private equity firms are investing in. Uh, these are things that will only grow in volume over time as the population ages. Uh, This person said that usually the investors start by acquiring a well-performing practice or a group of practices in one geographical area called a platform practice. It's well-established. It has some brand recognition. It has good market reach, and there may be multiple sites. It has a lot of patients that are already affiliated with that practice. They buy that up, and there are opportunities for consolidation. Mergers create larger groups with more power to negotiate rates with insurance companies and charge what they would like. The possibility of capitalizing on the good name of respected practice alone may make it a valuable investment. This person said those medical practices are considered a short to medium term investment with an average period of three to eight years before the investors sell. They said the private equity firms are good at making their case to doctors, assuring them that they'll let the doctors do the medicine while the business people do the business. Doctors think, if I'm going to survive, then I will either have to sell myself to a hospital or what is the alternative? The alternative is private equity. Well, I'm all in favor of private equity, so I think the person who wrote that article is misguided. I like freedom in America. I like the opportunity to invest in a business if you want to, and I want doctors to practice medicine. I don't want them to have to worry about the increasingly taxing business and insurance uh, regulations they have to put up with, but I'll bet Randy's going to tell me now the crickets have done something recently have they chirped randy yes they have yes they have okay randy's the not chir- going to talk
1: the uh the crickets have chirped i i usually keep them under wraps so as not to disturb the flow of the conversation but they have indeed chirped
0: all right well then in that case it's up to you to uh settle us up and write us on out of here
1: let's let's bring her on home So thank you all for joining us. As always, we certainly appreciate you joining us because without you, it's not nearly as much fun as we have with you. And ultimately, that's what we do this for is is really two reasons. We want to help make decisions with you as part of your Medicare life and your Medicare journey to keep you away from, oh, might I say Part C. What does that Um, stand for? It stands for CRAP. Or in the case of Wisconsin, you know, we there's I've heard I've heard that up in Wisconsin, the reason they call there's there's really a choice in Wisconsin. Either you can get Part C or you can get a lifetime supply of cheese.
0: Ah, and, there you and, go. And
1: bottom line, the cheese is worth a lot more than the Part C.
0: It is the dairy state, that's that's for sure.
1: You got that right. So anyway, that's that's my my observation about today's discussion, write Doug, I always I always ask people, write Doug, dbj at mlmmailbag.com, visit the website, we'd love to see you on there too, www.medicareforthelazyman.com. I think ooh, Doug's ooh, already talked. Ooh, ooh, ooh.
0: Yeah, I hate to yes, sound like yeah. Officer Tootie from uh, Car54, where are you? Oh, yeah, yeah. We've- we've been forgetting to do what your lovely staff has ordered us to do, which is to request to be, uh, to get a review. To oh, read yeah. a review.
1: Absolutely. We would love to have reviews because they really help us, uh, you know, in the context of the podcasting world and everything else has related to the internet and internet marketing. Uh, it's always good to have reviews because, that is what is the proof in the pudding on the Internet. So definitely, if you get a chance, give us a review. Go to Amazon, review the book, review you know, wherever you can review it, review it. Because I you can also do it on YouTube, because that's where we publish all the podcasts. So uh, ultimately, you can point your thumb up, give us a thumbs up in several different ways. But for today, let's go ahead and sign it off. You have just spent... About 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance insurance guy, living in his fortress of solitude now behind Cave Creek, but originally an Oklahoma boy. We are clocking in at, oh, let's see, we're clocking in at about 12,000 feet today. So good luck, Doug, because I know you're trying (laughs) for your high mountain guide license.
0: Bye-bye, everyone.